All right, well, as it's been said a couple times, we are in week two of a new series looking at the life of Jonah. And last week, we talked about how Jonah heard a voice from the Lord to go to the land of Nineveh, and Jonah, of course, did what? Ran the other way. And it's so easy for us to look at this story and think to ourselves, what a terrible person Jonah is, right? God calls him to do something. He's one of God's prophets, and he goes the other way. But in reality, we also realized how oftentimes we do that same thing. I don't know about you, but I think about my life sometimes, and I think about who I was as a child, and boy, was I difficult. Any other difficult children around here, or any parents with difficult children around here? Wait, are the kids around? Okay, you can, it's safe to raise your hand if, if that's one of you. Well, I know that I was incredible. Uh-oh, Ginger, in, yeah, if your mom and dad are here, be careful. <laughs> um, if you were one of those children, uh, I was accompanied with you. And uh, growing up in a Hispanic ho household, we had different fears maybe than some of you guys. For me, it was always the belt, but my mom had this other secret weapon, and it was called the chancleta. And you might not know what that word is in English, but basically it's the sandal, but it sounds so much worse in Spanish, right? The chancleta. That sounds like the punisher, the destroyer, but it was called the chancleta. And what the chancleta could do was if I tried to run away from my mother because I did something bad, and this would often happen, the chancleta would come off. And somehow that chancleta had laser missile guided processes that when it was thrown, I would turn a corner and magically it would follow me like a boomerang and hit me if I tried to get away. Anybody ever go through the chancleta or the equivalent in their own household? Okay, some of you have, so lucky survivors here. And mom, I know you'll probably listen to this message later. It's the truth, but hey, I guess I became a pastor out of it, so <laughs> maybe it was worthwhile. But I think sometimes we look at God and we look at authority and we think to ourselves, God's only desire in life is to punish us, to throw these laser-guided chancletas at our life, when in reality, he wants so much more. And I think he wanted so much more, not just for Jonah, but what he wanted to do through Jonah. But the problem is, is that we often run from God, and in some ways escape the beautiful work that he wants to call us to. So again, today we're going to be in Jonah chapter 1, so I encourage you to open up your Bibles there to Jonah chapter 1, verse 4. Uh, you would have learned from last week, and we'll put this map on the screen for you, hopefully we still have it, um, that Jonah was called to go to the land of Nineveh. Nineveh's in that red circle right there. And um, he ended up going down to where that blue circle was, and then where the green arrow's pointing off, he ended up trying to head to a place called Tarshish, which is most likely modern-day Spain. So literally as far away as he could from where God was calling him to go. So we pick up in verse 4. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. 
And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he laid down and fell into a deep sleep. I wonder how this happens, but maybe some of you are married to a man or a woman who can sleep through anything. Apparently Jonah can too. Verse 6, the captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Now, I find this pretty interesting because I don't know about you, but it's been my experience that most sailors aren't known for being the most upright religious people, right? I mean, that's just kind of a truth. And if any of you know some sailors or, or have been in that kind of culture growing up in South Florida, I know a few. They're not usually the most clean-cut kind of people. There's a reason why people say that you talk like a sailor, right? Hopefully you're not talking too much like a sailor anymore in a landlocked state, but you get what I'm saying. <laughs> but what do these sailors do? The storm comes, the waves are crashing, and it's getting so bad. Think about it. These are sailors. They're probably used to some bad weather, but it's so bad that what do they begin to do? They begin to cry out to their God. Now, it's probably safe to assume that their God and the God of Jonah are probably two different gods. In the same way that you might know somebody in your own life that is a different faith of you, it was probably the same situation for Jonah, where Jonah served the God of Israel, and most likely these people served a different God. But in this picture of crying out to gods, what does Jonah do? He goes downstairs, and he puts his head down, and he falls asleep. And the other people do what? They go and they pray to their God. Now, for me, I don't know about you, but that's kind of a bad picture, is it not, of being a Jewish follower, right? I mean, you would think and you would hope that somebody who is literally a prophet of the Lord would give a better representation of what it means to be a man of God, right? But yet he hides, he goes below deck, and he falls asleep. And you see, the thing is, is I can't even judge him that much. See, I don't know about you, but you ever see those little Christian fish on people's cars? I don't own one, and there's a reason behind that. In fact, I remember one time when I was just dating my wife uh, over 10 years ago when we were 13. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm in my 30s. <laughs> um, my, my wife asked me why I don't have a Christian fish on my car. You know, here I am, this 
this young man working at churches and trying to be a pastor and trying to be, you know, all upright. And I had a very quick and easy answer. And that answer was, I don't want people to judge my Christianity based on how I drive, because I'm not going to give a good message. (laughs) And maybe some of you are like that, right? Maybe some of you are now thinking, maybe I need to take that Christian fish off my car because I have a lead foot. (laughs) But that for me was kind of a truth. I realized at least in that time of my life that I did not drive in a way that Jesus took the wheel at all. No, it was bad, and it wasn't good in any way, and I didn't want somebody to associate my driving with my faith. But as maybe as bad of an example that might be in my own life, and I thankfully think I could, I could put a Christian fish on my car and it'd be okay, the reality is, is that I probably do that in other areas of my life, and so do you where your faith just does not line up with your actions, where what you believe deep down inside, or at least what you're taught to believe deep down inside, isn't manifesting itself in the ways that you're behaving, the conversations that you have, the things that you're giving your attention to, the ways that you're treating your coworkers, your family members, the strangers in your life. And there's a disconnect there, church. Let's just face it. There's a disconnect with that. There's a disconnect with the fact that these sailors are in some ways doing the right thing. They're crying out to God in their time of need. And Jonah's doing what? Hiding. Sleeping. Doing everything in some ways against what God is calling him to. I have a sad truth, but it is a truth nonetheless, that sometimes, sometimes, the world behaves a little better than the church. I'm not saying that as a universal rule. In fact, I I, I kind of struggle at times to beat up the church because the church is Christ's bride. Jesus loves the church. Jesus uses the church through which he wants to share his love with the world. But it's for that same exact reason that I struggle and I at times see the church not being the church at all. I mean, we've all experienced this. Maybe you even experienced it here at certain points because let's face it. Where there's people... There's going to be errors, and there's going to be mistakes, and there's going to be pain, and we're going to hurt each other. But in reality, we all face these moments where there's a disconnect, is there not, between what we know we should be seeing in our own lives or in the lives of others and what we experience firsthand. Maybe there's some people that where maybe not a Christian fish on their car, but are very quick to say that they're Christian, but their actions don't align with who they say they are. If that's you, guess what? Today's a really good day to say, Lord, I'm sorry for that. But today's also a good day for yourself to be able to hear this as a caution and as an encouraging reminder 
that yes, we're sinners, yes, we're broken, yes, we're going to make mistakes, but we don't use that as a license to be inconsistent in the character that God calls us to, amen? That God calls us to have a consistent character and a, and a desire in our hearts to be more like Jesus. You know, I want to be able to look at my life one year down the road, five years down the road, 20 years down the road, and see that my character is becoming more like Christ. Not that I've just accepted the fact that I have these flaws in some ways and you just have to live with them. I mean, we all know people like that, right? People who make excuses for their bad character. And they just say something like, well, that's just the way I am and you're going to have to deal with it. That's not always appropriate, especially if that personality or if that that action that's being done is violating God's call on their life. God had a call on Jonah's life to do what? To go to the land of Nineveh. And he's running away from that call in a totally different direction and going to this place called Tarshish. Church, is there a disconnect between your faith in your life. Guys, hear me. I know that's a really hard question. And you might even be thinking, boy, Pastor Kevin's kind of mean all the time on Sundays. <laughs> Is he ever going to say anything nice? <laughs> and I'm not trying to be harsh, but I am in some ways trying to be honest. And sometimes honesty is harsh. And sometimes the truth does hurt. But we need to be able to face these things if we truly want to grow to be more like Jesus. I don't know about you, but I want to grow to be more like Jesus. You know, maybe up into this point, you're noticing a parallel. An odd one, but a parallel nonetheless. That a storm comes, everybody's panicking, and there's one dude downstairs sleeping. You ever hear this story before? Well, the same story happens in the life of who? Jesus. But this picture of that story looks a little bit different, and maybe you've heard it, and I'll read it for you right now. But in Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 through 27, a similar story happens. Jesus and his disciples go into a boat, and suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. It's getting bad. But Jesus pretty much thought that this would be a great opportunity to sleep. <laughs> and the disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. And he replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Pretty similar story, right? But why is Jonah, or at least why is Pastor Kevin criticizing Jonah for sleeping, but letting Jesus off the hook? Because even though the stories are similar, 
the reasons behind each story couldn't be further in the difference, at least couldn't be further apart from the reasons why these moments are happening. You see, in the life of Jonah, the storms come, why? Because he's running away from God. But in the story of Jesus, the storms come not because Jesus is running away from God, but in some ways to test the faith of the disciples. You see, church, I love that these two stories exist because it shows in our lives that we can go through storms of our own creation, right? But we could also go through storms because God is testing our faith and trying to grow us through the troubles that we face. And both are opportunities to go to God, which means that if you're in a storm of your own creation, that is an opportunity to go to God. Or if you're just in a storm and you have no good reason to explain why you're in the storm other than the fact that the storm has come, that's also a great opportunity to go to God. Because we ought to go to God and live devotionally to him, regardless of the circumstances of our own life. You see, I don't want to be conditionally Christian. What do I mean by that? That sounds kind of fancy, Pastor Kevin, conditionally Christian. And what I mean by that is, is I don't want to love Jesus based on my own conditions of life. I don't want to love Jesus. Nobody wants to be loved based on conditional love, right? Nobody wants to hear from their spouse, their girlfriend, whoever it might be, that I will only love you if you do X, Y, and Z. Now, don't get me wrong. There's a certain level of truth to that. You don't want to be unconditionally loved by someone that is an abuser. But obviously, you get what I'm saying. We all probably know somebody who shares conditional love, and it's hurtful. I want to love God. I want to love my spouse. I want to love those around me in good times and in bad times. And I don't want to be conditionally Christian where I only love God when the bank account's going in the right direction, when all the success is mine, when the kids are behaving. If that was the case, I, I would be quitting my faith already. <laughs> But you get what I'm saying, right? Unfortunately, some of us at times put conditions on our love to God when God never puts a condition for us. He loves us unconditionally right where we're at. See, the difference between Jonah and Jesus in this moment is that Jonah was running from God and Jesus was in the perfect relationship with the Father. And Jesus knew that his mission was not to die on that boat. So in some ways, he knew that this would not be his end, that it was not his time yet. And I think Jesus wanted to push the disciples to trust and believe that even when the storms of life come around you, that if God is calling you to something, that he will see you through it. How many of you didn't need to hopefully hear that today? 
Maybe you should tell that to your neighbor. If God is calling me to something, he will see me through it. I'll invite you to say that right now to your neighbor. If God is calling me to something, he will see me through it. However, for Jonah, that was not the case. Verse 7. Let's keep reading. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all of this trouble? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? They're probably, these people sound like they're taking my defending the faith class, which you should come to each Sunday and ask good questions. He answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them and they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Listen to Jonah's response here, because it's pretty strange. Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become a calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah, threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Church, there's more happening here than I think we realize. I don't know about you, but I pretty much grew up hearing about the story of Jonah. I've read it a few times. But this last particular time that I was reading through it, I, I really felt like the Lord was showing me some things that I didn't see before. Isn't it amazing that you can read God's word, read the same verse throughout, throughout your whole life, and every year, every decade, you, you stumble upon it again? It's like, whoa, I didn't see that before. I had one of those moments this last week. It's amazing to me that the crew consistently in this story seems to behave better than Jonah, right? They're very concerned about how they've offended God. And in fact, they're so concerned about how they offended God that they want to in some ways be sure that they don't offend him even more by killing Jonah, right? But what does Jonah say as the answer to their problems? He says to throw him what? Overboard into the sea. 
Now, I always just took this at face value, and let's be honest, we all probably know what's going to happen next, that there's going to be some big fish that swallows him up, probably a whale, and he's going to go to shore. But you see, we're kind of reading in the whole story, and we're not taking it in some ways as, as hearing it for the first time. And I think because of that, we're missing out on something that could be here. And here's kind of my speculation. So put a little asterisk on this truth, because it's, you know, from Pastor Kevin, and it's not, you know, it's not like the, I'm, I'm kind of arriving here just by thinking. Why didn't Jonah say, turn around? Why didn't Jonah say, we need to pray to God right now? Or I'm running from God, and I need to stop doing that. Lord, I'm sorry. What does Jonah say? He says to throw him overboard. Here's my theory. Here's my speculation. Here's my thought. I don't think Jonah was ready to do what God wanted him to do yet. I think that his response of throw me overboard was in some ways him still hiding from God, running from God, being stubborn to the very last second. And I think we know we can assume this because if we read chapter 2, which we will next week, we'll see that Jonah says some prayers while he's in the water. I don't think Jonah knew a fish was going to get him, is what I'm saying. I think in some ways Jonah was being so stubborn that he rather drown in the seas than do what he's called to do, which is go to the land of Nineveh. I mean, how could it be known that a fish would swallow him and that he would survive that encounter three days to go on shore and then eventually make his way to Nineveh? How could it be known that? I don't think he did. But you see, here's the thing, church. Sometimes God is working so hard to get our attention. And he's knocking on the door. I mean, he's not even really knocking on the door. He's banging on the door. And we're like, la, 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 la. <laughs> and we do whatever we can to not listen to his voice, to not do the things that he calls us to do. Christian, is that you? Has God called you to do something that you rather drown in a sea than give it up? I think there's things in my life that I do that with. Maybe... Not every day, but there are seasons where I know when I sing a song like what Jess sang earlier about relinquishing myself to God, that I struggle to do that. And oftentimes new experiences in my life reveal that I have not given all of myself to Jesus. What are the areas in your life that you're holding back? That, you're, that you rather drown in a sea than give to God. See, I believe this wonderful truth 
God is always working on our behalf. God is always working on our behalf. There isn't a person in this room that God does not love, that God is not trying to, in some ways, capture your heart, transform your mind, and help you to become a better version of yourself, the version of yourself that he originally created, that because of sin, we break and we warp. God loves us, loves each of us so much that he is constantly working even when we don't see it. You see, Jonah was running from God, but even in him running away from God, God is doing what? Trying to draw Jonah back in, trying to get him to see that he is calling him to do good work, and eventually Jonah would make it back to Nineveh, but even in doing that work, Jonah is just the stubborn Kind of, you kind of wonder why he's a prophet, prophet, because it just seems like he can never fully get on board to do what God is calling him to do. But, church, we do the same thing. What would it look like if we took this a little bit more seriously? If we actually maybe, I don't know, read the book? <laughs> I mean, let's be honest, guys. I, I really, I'm not trying to beat anybody up, but let me be honest. I meet so many people that are Christians that have never even read the Bible. That don't really have a prayer life. That if I were to ask them, hey, what was the last thing that you repented for recently? What's God doing in your life? How is the Holy Spirit ministering to you? What victories has God given you lately? It's like, whoa, I haven't been asked that and I haven't thought about that in a long time. Which just tells me that there's not really a relationship happening between them and Jesus. Because here's the thing, guys. If you're in your word daily, if you're praying daily, if you're in community with other people, if you're, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And God's speaking. God's working. And you're listening. Can't, you just can't separate those two things. So if it feels like it's been a while since God's spoken to you, if it feels like it's been a while since you learned a lesson, if you feel like it's been a while since, you know, you know what I'm saying, then maybe you're running more than you think from God. Maybe you're hiding more than you think from God. And I get it. Sometimes we see God like the, chan the chancleta, right? We just think that when we see God, the chancleta's coming off, and <laughs> so we run. But the reality is, is that God's not trying to throw a Puerto Rican sandal at you. <laughs> God's trying to draw you back to himself and back to something that better than you could ever hope for or ask. So instead of maybe being so stubborn that you'd rather be thrown overboard, accept and know that God is always working 
on your behalf. So let him work and be a part of that work. Church, I've been your pastor now for a little over three years and I'm so proud of so many of you. Truly am so proud of so many of you. And in my pride, I want more. I want us to do more. I want us to be more. I want us to not see a disconnect from who we are called to be and what we're actually doing. It's why the elders and I are having conversations about what does it really mean for us to be a church in Aurora? What does it really mean to be a disciple at our church? What does it really mean to, to, to walk in our faith? And the truth is, is that there are some things that we're doing really, really well. But there's also things that we're not doing well, or there's things as well that God is calling us to do that we're going to need to walk into. And the only way we're going to accomplish that is if we are all hands on deck and we work towards it together in partnership with God. Amen? Church, God is always working on our behalf. Receive that work. Partner in that work. And allow the God who loves you, that would even create a storm to get your attention, to be the God that you serve and follow. Don't be like Jonah and run away from God and hide. But be like Jesus who trusts God even in the storms and is so connected with the Father that he gives his life freely over to him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to just even be a pastor. Father, I was thinking about it this week, and you know because I told you it, that I'm so grateful that I get to even be in your word and let it hit me. But Lord, the truth is, is that sometimes we see you like the chancleta, that you're loaded up and ready to throw something at us <laughs> in punishment. But Father, I pray that you would help us see that you're always working on our behalf, and Lord, that you desire us to be a part of that work as well. Help us, Lord, to join in on that. To not be so stubborn that we rather be thrown overseas than to be in your loving hand and care. Lord, help us. I know that, Father, that there are people in this room that have felt a righteous conviction today, not one that makes them feel unforgiven or unloved, but a conviction of, Lord, I need to say I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the times that I've hidden myself from you. I'm, times, I'm sorry for the times that I've run away. Lord, I pray that you would speak to those people and that you would speak to our church, Lord, and help us to be about the things that you are calling us to. In Jesus' name, amen.